This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, September 8th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Volvo Cars is cutting jobs. Details on its restructuring coming up. Michigan's governor talks with the Detroit Three and the UAW in an effort to avert a strike. And we'll tell you about the revenue Magna expects to generate from electric vehicle battery enclosures. Plus, student loan forgiveness ends next month. We'll talk about what that means for auto loan delinquencies. On average, we see about 16% of all consumers that have an auto loan also have a student loan. So it, it is a fairly sizable perspective and market that, that's out there with an impending payment that, that might become due. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Volvo Cars is restructuring its U.S. and Canadian operations. It's part of an $88 million global effort to tighten spending, drive efficiencies, and update its workforce for an all-electric future. A source briefed on the plan told Automotive News that the Swedish automaker is cutting more than 10% of its nearly 1,000 white-collar workforce in the U.S. and Canada. Volvo will also trim its regional ranks through early retirement offers. The headcount reduction is expected to take effect by early October. A Volvo Cars USA spokesperson declined to comment on the details of the restructuring, which will also affect contractors. Michigan's governor is talking with the United Auto Workers and her state's biggest automakers, hoping to avert a strike. Governor Gretchen Whitmer said there's reason to be concerned about where negotiations are headed. She said the union and Ford, General Motors and Stellantis should be able to forge a deal ahead of Thursday's deadline. That allows the companies to stay profitable while also boosting hourly employees' pay. Michigan is highly dependent on the auto industry for investment and jobs. Among the union's demands, a 46% pay raise and a 32-hour work week with 40 hours of pay. Carmakers say that would cost each of them more than $80 billion over four years and wipe out profits. The process for buyers of qualified electric vehicles to get federal incentives at the point of sale next year is starting to take shape. Under the Inflation Reduction Act, consumers will be able to transfer EV tax credits of up to $7,500 to dealers so those funds can be applied to the down payment. A senior Treasury official said dealers will be able to register through an online IRS portal in the next few months. Then in January, registered dealers will be able to submit clean vehicle sales information to the IRS. Dealers will then receive payments promptly, she said, for the transferred credits. And finally, the battery enclosures business has exceeded expectations at Magna International. The supplier expects to generate $2.5 billion in annual revenue from electric vehicle battery enclosures by 2027. That's up from just $100 million in 2022. 
The enclosures house high-voltage batteries and other important EV components. They are seen as an area of growth for North America's largest parts supplier. This year, the company committed around $700 million to expand battery enclosure production at two plants in Michigan and Ontario. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, we've seen in the last few months and even weeks some automakers cutting jobs for EV restructuring. I assume this is Volvo's reason for their recent cuts. Yeah, Volvo has some of the most aggressive targets for becoming all electric. And, you know, the problem is EVs don't make money yet for most companies, at least most companies that aren't Tesla. So the companies like Volvo are trying to make sure they take care of their money so they can survive until they get to the point where they can make money on those EVs. So we'll see, you know, Volvo is one of the smaller players, but they have been really aggressive and they're trying to stay ahead of the curve. Gotcha. Coming up, Tom Aliff of Equifax joins the show to talk about whether auto lenders should be concerned about the end of student loan forgiveness next month. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. My team and I went to each car company separately. We sat down and we said, you know, what can you do? What you cannot do? How much time you need? How much going to cost you? And that pay off big time. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they come around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available wherever you get your podcasts starting September 11th. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process steel jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit reyrey.com slash operate differently to get started. That's reyrey.com slash operate dash differently. 
Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Auto loan delinquency rates for Gen Zers and millennials have been rising the past few months. Lenders are getting concerned, especially because student loan payments begin again in October after a lengthy pause during the pandemic. Tom Aliff is the risk consulting leader with Equifax. He spoke with Automotive News senior editor Dan Shine about how lenders should prepare for potential delinquencies and what might be a possible growth opportunity. Tom, welcome to the Friday F&I edition of Daily Drive. Uh, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So uh, the Automotive News, we write a lot about uh, auto lender type stories. Uh, one that we've recently written is about how millennials and Gen Zs are falling behind on their repayment of auto loans. Never seen, not seen since, you know, the Great Recession of 08, 09. And now there's this concern, you know, the calendar is flipped to September. Uh, interest start ramping up again on student loans. October means you got to start paying those student loans again. So there's some concern among auto lenders that if they're already having trouble with the auto loan and now you're going to throw in a student loan, what is this going to mean for us? Is is there reason to be concerned? So I think I think the the main thing to do on this is uh, you know of course anytime there's uncertainty there's going to be concern, and when I think about reducing uncertainty, it's really trying to understand what data is available uh, to uh, to really understand and mitigate that uncertainty in many ways. So first thing I'll, I'll point out is that uh, I, we're, I concur we are seeing delinquency rates uh, rise. They're you know twenty six percent up year over year, and uh, you know it, it hasn't quite you know, of course reached the Great Recession you know peak that we saw at that time, uh, but we have seen some. Some, some rise in that case, and 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 you're also right in terms of the you know number of uh, consumers that's you know holds uh, a student loan and also uh, you know having an, uh, an auto loan. You know, on average, we see about 16% of all consumers that have an auto loan also have a student loan. So it it is a, it is a fairly sizable uh, you know perspective and market that that's out there with an impending payment that that might become due. How can if I'm an auto lender, what should I be mindful of? What are some of the things that I can do to kind of maybe mitigate my risk uh, when it comes to these payers who are have maybe an auto loan and a student loan coming due now. Yeah, so I guess then you know the main thing we want to do is try to understand to the question you you had on that is among a portfolio or an underwriting strategy like who is affected? What is that potential risk? What is the size of that market? Are there policies in place that took into consideration the student loan debt, uh, you know, from an origination standpoint? Because the way the data has been reported to us over the last several years, as there is, there's been no scheduled monthly payment. So it's going to be really important from both an origination strategy and a legacy standpoint uh, to have understood: did did you incorporate uh, the student loan payment, at least an estimate of it, in your debt to income calculation? If not, then probably do uh, some form of assessment, and then really, you know, determine how quickly. Can can, uh, can someone respond uh, you know, to this and do a compare contrast of what did that consumer profile look like before and after these payments would go back in place? And would you underwrite that same, uh, I guess, that same loan in the, you know, under that same capacity according to loan to value, debt to income, payment to income uh, with uh, the new information that's going to be starting to be reported? Tell me, explain to me a little bit about a financial durability analysis is and how that might help lenders out there. Yeah, so financial durability is when we when we think about uh, what data is potentially available, uh, it's really important to understand, uh, you know, the I guess what 
what will drive uh, you know consumer uh, to be able to make a payment. Uh, one aspect of that, of course, is credit, and we we oftentimes think about credit as being you know a main driver, and then we talk about alternative uh, methods. But all alternative means it doesn't mean that we're uh, we're moving away from a primary perspective. We're trying to understand a broader view, and you know the auto space. I would say you know you know you know I have the opportunity to work across all lending um, you know and, and asset classes, uh, and auto is probably the most uh, sophisticated, most competitive of, of all of them because they've been incorporating uh, loan to value, payment to income, debt to income for some time. So there's a very strong understanding of capacity. So financial durability is a natural you know transition for this market in this space, you know specifically because we try to understand how will the consumer be able to weather uh, any form of setback and and so you know and weathering that setback you know of course when we've incorporated payments and income and debt to income that doesn't take a magnitude of that information and the magnitude then would be you know does that uh, consumer you know do they have uh, an ability to pay across various asset classes, liquid assets uh, in particular, like you know, from a stocks, bonds, uh, savings uh, you know, perspective, especially knowing that you know savings rates have uh, started to decline over the last uh, you know you know year or so. And I would imagine that, like in a lot of transactions and a lot of business, communication is key, and that would mean talking to those to your consumers, your customers out there, and ensure that they maybe know what maybe there's a plan in place for them. That they, you know, how understand how what their cash flow situation is like, and maybe work with them. Talk a little bit about how you know, lenders can, you know, in communicating with their customers, can kind of, again, maybe lessen the impact that that, this, that these student loans might have. I think that's a that's a great point. Uh, you know, specifically uh, when I talked about sizing the market and seeing where uh, the debt exists, well, how uh, how your particular portfolio might be impacted uh, by this. There, there's of course, you know, that's the first step. That's the appraisal step of you know when we think about risk, it's a quality control program. So you have appraisal, you have prevention, and then you have you know potentially the failure or success. And uh, the prevention uh, capacity would be once you've appraised the situation and know like where does the debt sit. Uh, you know, do you believe that there would be a potential risk according to that profile that's different than what you would uh, would have expected? And if it is, there's there's absolutely opportunity to to do various reach out. Now I know there's uh, you know you know some limitations with respect to that with uh, some of the regulations on how often can you reach out to a customer uh, around these things. But I think you know w- within those boundaries, there's absolutely ways to do that to understand where where are they sitting uh, specifically if they start falling behind on any form of other uh, debt. And I think that's, you know, some of the concerns are potentially coming in greater is that even if the, you know, we, we know student loans have oftentimes fallen to a bottom of a payment hierarchy. You talk to any any uh, underwriter in the in the auto loan space, they'll say, we, we know that, uh, you know, student loans are oftentimes paid uh, down the bottom. But what happens to that is that if that loan is paid, you know, last or um, moved into a delinquent category, then uh, that will impact the credit score, which credit scores then drive you know any form of credit line uh, you know increase decrease in other capacities and then that's going to reduce the overall uh, consumer uh, cash flow situation if they don't have open to buy for you know some of their daily uh, you know things like you know groceries utilities uh, and, and things like that which will then impact the auto loan so there's the old adage in business there's always opportunity in crisis is there an opportunity here for uh, lenders as well uh, amongst this kind of this 
chaos and concern? I think there's definitely opportunity. We sit here and we talk about, you know, the glass being half full or half empty, but uh, I oftentimes like to understand what's in that glass. Where is it half full and where is it half empty? Because even if it is half empty, there's still air in it. Um, and so when I look at that situation, you know, specifically, you know, if we've known any, any consumer that obtained a mortgage, for example, in the last three years, uh, they're, you know, if, if they, you know, were able to obtain, you know, those, those strong uh, rates, you know, have a fixed monthly payment, they're, they're currently sitting in a better situation than those consumers who are continuing to experience inflation on their, uh, you know, you know, rent uh, and things like that, uh, and so there, there's, you know, definitely places like that where consumers have decreased their debt. They've, you know, you know, stayed in that position because we know that the, you know, the stimulus programs that were, you know, put out by the government, it did raise uh, and uh, raise some credit scores, and consumers are still floating in that uh, in that position. It changed some financial profiles in a way that, uh, you know, is, is fairly positive. So there's definitely opportunity now with interest rates being high. It, that that creates a, you know, some challenge around things like refis uh, and things like that. But, you know, again, you know, trying to understand where that uh, where things sit from, you know, current interest rates, where they're going, as well as vehicle values, uh, you know, to be able to understand where the potential uh, opportunities will arise. Interesting to watch as it unfolds. And maybe we'll have to have you come back in six months or eight months and, and uh, see where we are then. I know uh, my uh, Purdue student loan is uh, coming due in October. <laughs> boiler up uh, I'm, so. I'm also a pretty great <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> so uh yeah so i'm we're gonna start paying on that look i don't have an auto loan right now but i will again soon so uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of all this so tom thanks for your time i really appreciate it yeah thank you so much i uh, really appreciate being here and look forward to talking again tom aliff is the risk consulting leader with equifax he spoke with our own dan shine that's daily drive for today i'm jamie butters and I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer and Alicia Anderson. Today's episode includes reporting from our own Irvash Kakaria, Audrey LaForest, and John Irwin. You can get the latest news on UAW, Detroit 3 negotiations, job cuts, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for a first look at Automotive News' new podcast series, Driving to Zero, the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.